Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. I've been in a series um, that, as far as I know, was completed last Sunday on the prayers that your pastor prays for you every day. That is a a holy assignment. It is not an easy assignment, but it is a holy, holy assignment. And I take it very, very seriously. It is amazing to me how many people by the hundreds have viewed these short 10 to 15 minute online videos. Uh, and I thank you for your prayers for us as I pray for you. Uh, today, I want to answer this question, why do I need the prayer of somebody else? I, I've heard and, and had, there's a thought among many, if Jesus is praying for me, and he is, the Bible says he ever lives to make intercession for us, why would I need somebody else? If before the throne of heaven right now, the Son of God himself, is interceding for me, and he is, why would I need someone else to pray for me? You may have to ask God that question, but I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that the main reason we need somebody else to pray for us is because God told us that that's the case. It's his design. Do you know... Have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus never sinned? He walked in absolute perfect fellowship with the Father all the time. 33 years of every split second in perfect fellowship with the Father. But when he got into Gethsemane and was facing the cross, what did he say? You can see it in, um, in Matthew 26 and Luke 22. Jesus went to the disciples, those broken sinful, sometimes unbelieving and rebellious men. Jesus went to them and he said, I want you to watch and pray with me. My soul is in distress. I want you to pray for me. Think about that. Jesus solicited the prayers of broken people. You need somebody praying for you. The Apostle Paul said that in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he said, me and my fellow associates went through such a deep, deep valley of circumstances, and he doesn't spell it out. He said, we despaired even of life. We lost all hope of even living any longer. But it was God who took us from the brink of death and raised it up. And then he said, it was your prayers that were partnering, partnering with me. You need somebody praying for you. That's the highest thing anybody can do for you. 
The apostle said in Philippians chapter 1, he said he was incarcerated and he said, I am convinced that the Lord is going to deliver me by the Spirit's ministry and by your prayers. Your prayers are the transportation vehicles. You got here in a vehicle today. God says that prayers of others on your behalf is the vehicle through which he does things. He set it up that way. You need somebody praying for you. I want us to look at a, at a scripture out uh, that is in Exodus, and it absolutely bears up what I believe the Lord would have us to say today in the 17th chapter of Exodus. We have some chilling words, verse 8. And I'm going to use out of verse 8, I'm going to use some old King James words, and then I'm going to go back to the text that I read and study out of the New King James. In verse 8, the word simply says some chilling words. Then came, Elo- then came Amalek. Then came Amalek. Who in the world is Amalek? If you studied the scriptures, you will see that over and over and over and over again in God's old covenant people, that there was a familiar enemy and it was the Amalekites. It was the descendants of Amalek. Over and over and again, things would be going swimmingly for God's people. And then all of a sudden, then came Amalek. It's kind of that way today too, isn't it? You could be, listen, <clears throat> Moses here had just, God had just showed mighty miracles. He had delivered his people from the Red Sea. Then they got out there and uh, they started complaining because they didn't have any water. And um, God told Moses to speak to a rock. In fact, I want you to strike that rock uh, with, I want you to take your hand and I want to take the rod of God in your hand. What's the rod of God? I'm going to review that for you in just a minute. Out of that rock came water. I mean, they had just seen a miracle. Then came Amalek. Things are going great. Then came Amalek. And over and over again in the Old Testament, we find out that Amalek attacked God's covenant people from the outside in a full frontal attack. And um, Bible scholars that I know say that Amalek is a type in the Old Testament of a truth in the New Testament believer. And that is that it is the epitome of the flesh always rising up and trying to take what God is trying to do through his covenant people. Then came Amalek. And notice what the Lord says here uh, in verse 9. Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Now what was the rod of God? Do you remember back in earlier chapters, you found out that after Moses, having been rescued uh, from a certain death there and was brought up under, under the providence of God, was brought up in the palace of Egypt, 
protected from Pharaoh's murder of the Israelite children, Moses went out one day as a grown man, and he tried to defend one of his fellow Jewish men. In fact, he did a pretty good job of it. He took out one of the Egyptians and buried him in the sand. The next day he went, and uh, one of the Jewish people, the two Jewish people were fighting together among themselves in arguments, and Moses tried to break it up, and they said to him, so are you going to kill us like you did the Egyptian? Moses knew he had been discovered, so he flew into the wilderness of Midian, and under God's providence, he met a man named Jethro, who actually became his father-in-law, and he went to work for Jethro, a fugitive. You think of Moses as this great, awesome man, and he was, but it was on a journey. He was a fugitive. There one day, herding around, working in his father-in-law's business as a herder of flocks, he looked on the side of a hill and he saw a, a bush that was on fire. And he thought, you know, that's kind of strange. I didn't see any lightning. I, I'll, and the Bible says that he went close to that bush to find out why it just burned and burned and burned and burned and never got consumed. It was a mystery. When he got close to that fire, God spoke to him out of that when he had his attention. And he said, I've chosen you to go back and I want you to confront Pharaoh and I'm going to use you to deliver my children out of the land of Egypt into the land that I promised Abraham hundreds of years ago. I hadn't forgotten my promise. The land of Canaan, I promised it to him and I'm going to deliver and I'm going to use you to do it. And Moses said, Lord, I don't you know, not me. I don't, I don't know. I can't do this. What if they ask me, who sent you? And God said, you tell them, I am sent you. But Lord, what if they, what if the people, the people of Israel, that don't think much of me anymore, what, what, what about, what, how are they going to believe me? He said, you just go and you do what I tell them to do. How many of you know that the thing we have to do is just take the next right It's God's business to fill in the blanks. You just get up today and do what you know the Lord wants you to do today and forget to figure out what he wants you to do tomorrow. He will let you know. He's already working on tomorrow on your behalf. It's in his hands. If it's in your hands, you better fret and worry. It's in his hands. And so... <clears throat> God said, Moses, um, I, I want to show you something. Um, and he said, what's that in your hand? <laughs> Moses said, it's a rod. That was something that was absolutely essential to a shepherd. To herd sheep around, you had to have that rod to guide them in the way they should go and to get out of ditches. And he said, well, can't you just hear this conversation? What's that in your hand, God says. Moses said, it's a stick. 
And God says, throw it down. Can't you imagine what Moses must have thought? I need this. This is, I have to have this. Can I ask you something? What do you think you have to have today? Who do you think you have to have? What do you think it has to be like? He was so, it was so familiar. I got to have this. God said, throw it down. And Moses threw it down. And it turned into a snake. And the Bible says, and Moses fled from it. I wonder how many of us have got hold of something that we don't even know that we're depending on as our security. I wonder if, I wonder if we realize that sometimes what we're holding on to has a snake in it. That it's a false sense of security. That it's something that we've become so familiar with that we've never, that we don't even realize it's holding us back from walking in further intimacy and, and, and power with God. What's that in your hand? Moses, and God said to Moses, pick it up. Can't you just see Moses? Pick it up. God says, by the tail. Did you say tail, Lord? He picked it up. It turned back into the rod. And God said, you're going to take this rod and you're going to have an audience with Pharaoh. And I'm going to use you with this rod to bring forth all kind of mighty miracles. And Pharaoh will let my people go. That's the rod of God. Moses had to let go of the, mod, the rod of Moses before it became the rod of God. What about your plans for your children? What about your plans for your own life? If you're holding on to something and you've never surrendered it to God who owns you and has bought you with a price, it may have a snake in it and you don't know it. Throw it down. Throw it down. And then God will use it to become the rod of God. So right here in our passage, God says to Moses, he had already instructed Moses, and Moses said, I'm gonna, here's what I'm going to do. The Amalek has come against us, but I, watch this, verse 9, tomorrow I will stand on the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Now you know why the rod of God is so significant. It's got to, it is a symbolic emblem of the power of God. So Joshua 10, Joshua, who was the commander of the army, did as Moses said to him, and he fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur, H-U-R, went onto the top of the mountain. And so it was when Moses held up his hand with the rod of God in it, that Israel prevailed. But when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. How many of you know it doesn't matter what a great man or woman of God you are, you get tired sometimes. You get weary sometimes. 
You can be up there when the warfare is coming against you and the people that you love, they are in that valley. You're up there on the mountain. You're interceding. You're crying out to God. And as long as your hands are raised, you understand that the battle's not really won in the valley. The battle is really won on the mountain. And while you are interceding, there is so much stuff going on that you get weary. And when you begin to relent out of weariness, you need somebody. You need Aaron and her to come alongside you and lift your hands up. You're not going to succeed on this by yourself. God didn't design for you to carry all that weight. you got to have some help. Aaron and her would come alongside Moses with the rod of God in his hand and simply hold him up. They made a seat of stone where he could sit and then they would get on either side. And the Bible says, as long as his hands were lifted, Israel prevailed. When his hands fell, Amalek prevailed. Sometimes you're going to get, Amalek is going to be so strong against you. The Amalek of sickness, relationship brokenness, financial destruction, injuries, cancer, brokenness in your relations. What is your Amalek? The key to your victory is not on the ground, it's in the air. The key to your victory is not on the ground. It's in the air. It's in that position of prayer. I've asked the Lord, you know, what's, my, what's in my hands? I want to know, what's my Amalek? It could be fear. It could be anger. Could be rejection, lust, or greed, or wanting to make somebody pay, control, manipulate, you name it. The Holy Spirit will reveal to all of us where has Amalek got a hold? And I love verse 12 when Moses' hands became heavy. They took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, and Aaron and her supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. His hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And verse 11, verse 13, Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said to Moses, write this down as a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Why did God want Joshua, why did he want Moses to write it down and to give it to his commander-in-chief Joshua who would take over after, Joshua's, after Moses' death? Why did he want that written down? So Joshua would never forget that it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. So that Joshua, regardless of the victories that he saw, he would know that the secret to it was in relationship to God. 
the rod of God, the rod of surrender, the reinforcement of others who will join you in prayer. God's design for victory when this battle is overwhelming. Who was Aaron and her? Aaron was Moses' brother, so sometimes it may be a family member who can assist you. Aaron was also the founder and the leader of the priests. It may be a minister who can help you. But who was her, H-U-R? You know, the Bible doesn't say much at all about her. The only thing we know about her is this, that in times of crisis, he was there. And we find out in the 24th chapter of Exodus that when God said to Moses, you can't do all this and lead all these people by yourself anymore. I want you to appoint elders to help you. I want you to get some folks to come around you to help you. The Bible says Moses went out before the people and he said, I can't do all this by myself. I, if you've got an issue that you need counsel on, I want you to see Aaron or her. That's not weakness. Delegation is strength. It's wisdom. When it's delegated to the right somebody. Amen? To the right somebody. Understand this, that whether you're a called out man or woman or, or not, whether you have had a, a calling of a, of a life work, you already have a calling as a son and daughter of God. You can reach people that most of us can never touch. Your ministry outreach is greater than most of us have if you're a her. You know why? Because you're just one of the people. Her was an incredible to the amazing prophet Moses. But he understood that his main job was to intercede and pray for and support somebody else. What about you? What about you? Are you willing to say, God, I don't care that much about being famous. I just want to be faithful. Whatever's in my hand, Lord, I throw it down today. And I yield everything that I am and have, all my plans, my dreams, my desires. I throw all that all down, Lord, and I pray now that you have it, you'll use it for your own glory. That stick was nothing but a little instrument to help sheep, but it became a symbol of the power of God to set millions of people free. So don't underestimate what God can do with your surrender of all that you are and all that you have. The Lord has spoken to you today from this word. I want you 
to say, you know what, Lord, you know it and I know it. This journey that I'm in is way too heavy for me. It's just way too heavy for me. I need some help. I need some Aaron and her to come around and to help me. That's not weakness. That's strength. If you would just say and have the courage to say, I need some intercessory help today. It's a difference maker. It's a difference maker. If we could only see how we have been prayed for and the the results of the prayers of others on our behalf. If we could only see. I tell people all the time who say, Pastor, I'm praying for you. I tell them I have to have it. And you do too. The prayers that others pray for you, if you could only see the incredible results of that. So why are you saying that, Pastor? I'm saying that because the Lord is assigning you to be that agent of prayer for somebody. That agent of prayer to join your faith with theirs. That agent of prayer for a word of encouragement. That Aaron or her that'll gather around somebody in spiritual leadership and, and, and know that you've been called to lift up their hands. The Lord is speaking to many in our congregation. Many of you have already done that, and you have been doing it faithfully for years. Many of you are just on this early stages of it. You will be faithful. The Lord will use you mightily. Dean and I and your pastoral staff, we love you. We need and depend on you. You are being prayed for every day. And I pray that you will leave here today knowing that when Amalek comes, that he will be defeated in the mighty name of Jesus, that he will be defeated as you pray and as God calls out others to assist you. Say, Pastor, what's my part? Just make, the, just make sure the rod is on the ground. Just make sure that it's been thrown down on the ground and all your self-sufficiency has been released over to the Lord. And you recognize that you're totally dependent on Him and He is more than able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we ask or think. Know that we're in prayer for you this week. Go with God. He's going with you. We look forward to seeing you next week. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.